Hello and welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. All throughout September, we're focusing on small business owners. Some are new to the show, and some are revisits with past guests. This episode is a little different from that. We'll meet Pops Bar's owners, Spike and Tom, and hear a little from Charlie, one of the bartenders there. They'll recount the colorful history of the place, talk about taking over several years ago, and walk us through their business experience during the pandemic. Thankfully, Pops is reopened. Stop by Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays between 4 and 8 p.m. to support them. You can also find gift cards and a link to their GoFundMe at popssf.com. Special thanks to April Millich for introducing us to the Pops crew. Here's Spike, Tom, and Charlie. Uh, Pops. Pops has, uh, you know, 80-plus years of history. Um, Tom and I bought it in... 2014 wow. and uh, when we bought it you know we were looking for uh, a quintessential neighborhood bar and um, we were looking at a couple and this was kind of one that popped up you know um, the former owners a year before that had expressed an interest in selling and so we had a conversation with them prior to that like a year but they weren't sure, and so they were like, you know, when the time comes, and I was like, well, when the time comes, give me a call. Um, and the time came, and they did. And so then Tom and I had worked together at Madrone. He was running the uh, Spikes Mic that night there, which is our open mic night. And uh, so I got to know his, you know, his work ethic while he was doing that for a couple, three, four years before we did this. He, he didn't know that was part of my evil plan. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> do you want to comment plan. on that work ethic? <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. He's an amazing partner. And he's a, his work ethic is, uh, is at the top of the lo- at the top of it. Anybody's, I wouldn't okay. put him up there with anyone. Um, and it's been a great relationship to work together. Yeah, um, really so, you know, when we did this, when, so when we decided to buy this bar, you know, everybody, it had so much, people loved Pops for so many different reasons, you know, and as did we, but it just really had a sense of, like, neighborhood community that we were first searching for. And um, a lot of people didn't really know the history of the bar, you know, and I'm kind of a, I was a history major in college, so I'm kind of a history nut. So the first thing I did is I started just going through old, you know, uh, microfilm files at the library, seeing what I could find. Right. And then you sent me the top you got to go spend some time in the library. Right? True, I did. Oh, I couldn't be there all the time, and I was like, we got to get some more information on the bar, right you on, know? Yeah. And we kind of kept it, at the time, you know, everybody was worried about people coming in and turning into a fancy cocktail bar, and so mm-hmm. it's like, we knew we weren't going to do that, um, but we wanted more, you know, more history to what the bar meant, so we kind of waited. I was going to ask, did any of the three of you, uh, you know, not necessarily frequently come here, but, like, did you... Had, had you been to the bar before? I had been in? here many, many times. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Frequent? Uh, Did you free? <laughs> I mean, I've been here. You know, yeah. if I was over in this neighborhood, this was a spot that I would go to. Yeah. Um, it wasn't uh, frequenting because I lived in a different neighborhood. Right. But I've been here, you know, over the 20 plus, you know, I've been here since 1992. And mm-hmm. over those years, I'd been here 100 plus times. So you had a sense of personal history with the place you, yeah. you, you had a sense of what it was absolutely, absolutely. And, th- and then you dug back further and so then how you far back, back did you find well at the, the first first little clip i found was uh from a 19 the, the newspaper in 19 i think it was 1951 yes. 
Um, and it was a couple guys playing uh, cards or dice. I can't remember specifically what it was at Aquatic Park. And they na- it's on the wall. It's on the wall right oh, over there. And they yeah. named the guys. And it was, uh, you know, one was Vernon Adkins, uh, a jazz player. Mm. Um, another was... Um, You'd have to. I'd have to read it, and then. But it said Jack O'Connor, and Jack O'Connor. The story it had at the time was the bar was called Pops because he was a World War II fighter pilot, came back in from the war, and his dad bought him the bar mm. to start a career. So hence the name Pops, and that's the story that was out there at that time. What a like congratulations! You you won the war. Here's a bar. <laughs> well, you know, and I'm like you that might back, get me to sign up for the fucking army. <laughs> you think back to the history of like the city and how neighborhoods change, right. you know, and uh, it was Irish. It was an Irish neighborhood back then. Yeah, back yeah. Then, you know, and so um, it, that was like the first thing. So well, we're like, wow, this bar's from you know 1947 it was when we thought. Okay. You know, and then as some press started to get out, and then. Uh, one day a guy came in and he was like, yeah, no, my grandfather or my great-grandfather was the original owner. And yes. I'm like, well, what's your story? And he's like, oh, it's Saxenheimer, Carl Saxenheimer. And they owned it prior to even prior to Prohibition. Okay. And I'm like, okay, do you have any proof or anything? And he's like, no, I mean, I, you know, story, family stories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was like, then one day, I remember it was a, we found mm-hmm. that picture. I think Tom found that picture in the in the library documents, and that was from 1941. So now we had proof of the sign and the existence of the bar from 1941. So then we were like trying to dig back, and um, you know there was one another weird time. I was at a you know at a restaurant one time, and the waitress comes up to me, and I'm with my kids, and she goes, "Hey, are you one of the guys that's buying pops?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she goes, "You know, I have a family friend whose grandfather was one of the owners." I'm like, oh, what was his name? And she tells me his name. And uh, he was the owner's after O'Connor. You know, so he bought the bar from O'Connor. He married the daughter. He, he left the bar because he married the daughter of the Saint, original St. Francis owner. And they didn't want him to be in the bar business because he was drinking too much. So they got him out. So, and I'm like, okay. And she gives me his number. So I call him up one day and, you know, he just starts spilling the beans. This is the grandfather? This is the grandfather. Well, one of the grandfathers. Third, third owner. Who was in right. his like at this point? You know, he's in his nineties, yeah. And he was spot on, coherent, and everything. And he verified the Saxenheimer story yes. as him being pops. He got no. He goes because O'Connor's bought it from the Saxenheimer guy, but the Saxenheimer guy, he's like had to get out for whatever reasons, you know. And because he, he was like, I think he was connected. And then he gave it to another family member who he didn't remember or know the name, mm-hmm. and. So that's that history, you know. And so then through the years, it just goes every – it's basically every 10 years a new owner. Okay. And every 10 years, it kind of changed um, the way they would operate or – and the neighborhood was changing. So it was like it went from, you know, a, a bootleggers bar to a World War II Irish fighter pilot bar to still an Irish working class bar. And then the no- one guy's like, oh, I ran late night parties in here. you know. So then it went to like a late night party. Then it went to like a biker bar. Then it was like a, you know, then it was a lesbian bar. It was a skater bar. I mean, it's been so many different renditions. You know, the Prietos were a Latino family who, owned, who are our current landlords. So they had it for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just continually evolved. Do you know what it was called, the Saxonheimers? Always Pops. It, they called it Pops. Always Pops. Okay. Always wow. Pops. And oh, the Pop sign, Clubhouse, right? It was originally called Pops Clubhouse. Yeah. Because you could, 
it had issues with uh, Prohibition, which is the clubhouse name. So, right, right. you know, there's. But it was above ground always. Yeah, and it was just down the street where the uh, the address is. Uh, it's on this block where it's nothing now. It's Punjab, right? No, Poon next door to Punjab. I think it's that park, right? No, the video. Yeah. The green video spot. Yeah, we're at Poon, oh. right next to Punjab. Yeah. Um, and then in the '70s they moved it here. Okay. So 1971 it moved to this location. And we've got a picture of the permit that they filed with the city for uh, moving the sign over yeah. there too. So. Oh. Yeah. So the one yeah. out there now, so the sign was is moved. Existing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. Is that um, the same sign that's in the picture back? No. There? No, that sign was somewhere. We don't know when that one changed. And then at some point they did the neon sign. We only know that it got moved, and they had to get a permit because we found that paperwork. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we found. Um, and then you know, other things I found in uh, the Fallen Angel. There's a movie where from the 50s where there was a sign. A pops in the background. Uh, it was in pursuit of happiness. Randomly, my daughter pointed it out right. to me. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "Oh, look at that!" And I was like, "So, there's always been, you know, pieces of it, and it's um, it's never changed names." Did y'all find any um, uh, archives, any kind of information in the place when you came in, or a dead rat, a really big <laughs> one? <laughs> like had been there th since the beginning. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, the place yeah. needed a lot of love. Okay. You know, it was really in bad shape, you okay. know, and when we decided to take it over, we thought, well, let's put some, we're going to hopefully do this for a long time, so let's put some money into it, and I wouldn't say a restoration, mm -hmm. because a bar that's had so many different renditions of styles and people owning, sh owning it has always been different, so right. what we tried to do is, you know, create something that looked like it had been here, so we tried to, like, okay, well, let's build a bar in the style of what a you know, an Art Deco bar would be, and let's keep the 1970s linoleum floor, you know, and, and try not to do too much to it and just let it be like it's a bar that's, like it is. Yeah. Know, that's been lived in, but one that's current and that we can actually work in. Right. I'm going to call your efforts successful. Thanks. And and so that went on for five-ish, six-ish years. So can we, can we talk about the dreaded subject of 2020 and... Um, or I guess I should ask, like, how, how were things going over that great. span of time? You know, we were doing great. Um, yeah. You know, we'd, we'd spent, I think, the first year kind of, like, letting people know what our intent was in the neighborhood mm -hmm. and building clientele. Mm -hmm. And I think it just continued to grow. And then the addition of, like, great bartenders like Charlie, mm -hmm. um, you know, and what Tom's done here on a daily basis, it's continued, I think, you know, I think we were we still had room for growth, mm -hmm. but I would say we were, you know. Yeah, I was. Uh, it exceeded my expectations of what a bar this size in a small neighborhood could do. Mm -hmm. Not just, uh, and let me be honest, not just monetarily. I mean, uh, the importance of a, of a bar, um, if done right, is is incredible to every neighborhood, and uh, so I. I really do. We had a lot of work to go fiscally. We had a lot of work to go with, you know, how we were contributing into the neighborhood. But things were going great, you know. And 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 uh, like you said, the 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 dreaded date came and kind of put a, a halt on everything. And this was your was this your first time to own a bar? Yeah. Or part own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were getting into this whole. It was all well, unknown world. It and, was all trial like, by fire, and yeah. luckily, I've got the the best bar owner as a partner 
from my left, right? And so uh, anytime I had a question, and sometimes when I didn't, I learned a lesson. <laughs> so, right on. Uh, but uh, I think what is really good about, uh, well, what a good partnership is just people being able to listen, express their differences, and then let people grow uh, as, as individuals. I mean, it's good in a partnership, it's good uh, as, as people supervisors, it's good as, as bartenders. I mean, that's just a good way to try to partner with people. Right on. So would you say things were going well? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Not that things aren't going well, but things change. So, so like, yeah, walk us through um, as owners, you know, getting, uh, and please share as much as you want and are comfortable with. But like, we talked a little bit about yeah. some of the stuff between the city and the, yeah, walk us through that history. I think <clears throat> every single bar and every single small business is in a different situation based on their specific uh, relationships and the contractual obligations that they're in, their previous debt, their cash flow. So no two businesses are alike, right. you know? Um, with regards to this specific business, you know, I think prior to um, the pandemic, getting into the bar business had and tom and i discussed this was so expensive that it was no practically no longer worthwhile or even mm -hmm. remotely profitable right it, it almost didn't the it numbers just didn't, almost didn't work out for this bar right. for for a bar this size it was about to become obsolete prior mm -hmm. to the pandemic right you know because you can't go into a bar and little bars like this they were going for half a million dollars that were just you know shitholes i don't know if right. it's, but it's just like just bad mm -hmm. and you're like that just doesn't make sense because you know you're not going to make that money back so why would you do that as a business standpoint it just makes no sense so we got in just at the time where it was still expensive but not as expensive um, and we when we did that we also borrowed money in SBA loan to fix it up because mm -hmm. we had you know 15 years to make the money back so okay. for us it was a worthwhile venture and right. we wanted it to be an operable space and grow for 15 years so we were kind of chipping away at our debt prior to this and doing exactly the pace that we wanted to be at. So right. we were right on target, you know, and, and we had we still have debt remaining from that um, to pay off. And to be honest, I was looking forward to Tom. I go, I can't wait till we pay that. We, you know, we only got so much left. And we, do, <laughs> we just had that conversation. You know, it's just going to be the best did. day because, yeah. you know, we're you're paying it off and you're also getting taxed on the money you're paying off. So it's like... When you look on that, you're like, whoa, how does this thing work? Yeah. You know, so we were talking about that and things were on pace to do that and mm -hmm. we were still growing. Um, then it hits. And in the beginning, you know, I was not as much worried about this bar as I was in my other bar because mm -hmm. the expenses were a little bit more solvent here, you know. Okay. Um, but still, you're tr take the time to close, reset yourself, fix what needs to be fixed. Now, we had just closed in September mm -hmm. to fix the floor and to do things that we needed to do. So we had already fixed everything that needed to be fixed in here. So we didn't have to do that. So for right. this, it was a hiatus. Okay. Then you're trying to figure out, what do we do? We got great staff, you know, and they've been good to us. So it was like, okay, let's, it's going to be short. It's going to be six weeks, you know? That's, that's your mind frame. I remember let's, that. 
let's take care of the staff. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's make sure that they're doing okay. We're going to be fine. How many uh, bartenders in the back, Steve? Like, what, how, how big is your staff? Just 17 yeah. people. 17 right? people. At this bar? Right. Yeah. Awesome. Because okay. you're doormen, you're bartenders, right. you know, and everybody works mixed shifts. And you guys were seven days a week. Seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. 20-hour yeah. bar. Okay. Yeah. 24, 24 hours 24 when you consider hours. the cleaners. Yeah. Yeah. So 17 actually seems low yeah. for that kind of operation. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, so we were trying to think of the, you know, them, and it's like, okay, well, we offered, you know, back sick pay and tried to, like, right really make sure they were doing okay. Then it was, like, helping everybody transition to getting unemployment. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's a matter of, all right, where do we stand in this situation? You know, and it's like, how do we become solvent? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we had some cash saved, you know, which we always had like a reserve. Did so you was, have to use the past tense on that? <laughs> it's definitely past tense. Um, but we had a reserve, you know. So in yeah. the beginning, I was like, our reserve will get us through, you know, a, at least three months. Okay. You know, that was kind of what we had planned. Mm-hmm. And it did, you know. And then you're like, oh, wait, after that, nothing. And at the time, we didn't have any breaks from any you know landlord or any of that situation so we were still paying all of our full full bills Mm -hmm. and when you start to see it just disappear real fast you're like whoa this is moving pretty fast yeah um you know now we're working on government loans Mm -hmm. so what's going to happen is when we do reopen we are going to be right back where we started at square one you know with more debt than when we originally opened and that's but we the thing is you getting open we don't even know where getting open is right because we don't know we're in the end of this no. fucking nightmare um we haven't heard from charlie can i can we just quickly um when did you come on what did you think about working here that kind of thing uh, what was your experience i've lived in this neighborhood for about seven eight years okay. and this has always been my favorite bar i just love this place and especially when these guys took over this was uh, it kind of changed the whole vibe and i really fell in love with it and I started working here um, December 2016. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, just loved it ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool. I live right down the street. Um, I know everybody, um, and this has kind of just even broadened that. I uh, really gotten connected with the community and um, made some really great friends. It's been a, a nice way to see the mission. Absolutely. Had you bartended? At all before? Yeah, I'd bartended here and there. I was primarily just a musician and okay. um, just kind of did little stints at different bars around the city. Uh, some, some stuff in Boston. Okay. But this was the first place I ever really wanted to stick around. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. And, and you did until, again, till the world exploded. Yeah, well, uh, it's still trying to stick around. We're figuring some stuff out. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to experiment and um, we'll, we'll be back. And then, so shutdown happens. <sighs> Right. So I think we took a couple weeks off and kind of uh, wrung our hands for a little bit and then um, just got right back to work trying to think of different ways that we could reopen and figure out a way to keep people involved, keep the community that's already here happy, make it still a gathering place where people still feel safe. And uh, yeah, Tom and I sat down and just met at least once a week coming up with ideas. It's tricky. Because nobody knew what we were doing. I mean, right. no bars knew what they were doing. Right. Just had to get creative with it. Yeah. I think I've seen stuff that, y- that you, Spike, have done uh, on social media and other things like that. So was that, par- was that part of, like, what you're saying, like, the awareness, like, just letting people know, like, we're still here trying to figure this shit out. Yeah, you still want to 
let people know you're here so that yeah. when we eventually can come back to it, people don't forget you. And, right. you know, and still you can still work on the relationship even though you're not physically in front of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you're whatever the new word is, but you're still in front of each other. You just have to, like, keep your name. Well, and I noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, a lot of the videos I've seen of you, like, you start off with you're pouring yourself a drink. It's like, oh, like let's, he's talking that's about him. Me. Was that you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> People do this all the time. And I was looking sorry, at what, going, sorry, white guys. Tom's doing the videos. Very much alike. <laughs> well, and I mean, hello. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, so, but, but that's like that... Um, it's it's a form of coping in my mind. It's like what we're all doing, well, trying I, to keep I'm some really sense of community. What I'm trying to do, right? I mean, uh, first of all, I just I like talking. It's one of my favorite things to do. And since they take the bar away from me, what else am I gonna do? Right. But th- really, the point of it is that is that is that through the pandemic, and I'll I'll get to that. I just remember when they first told us that we were gonna be closed. I was like, okay, I get it and you know we'll be back and so i felt like the government was making really good decisions that were really difficult the local government yeah the okay. local government <laughs> we have yeah. to delineate yeah, anymore sure. right? and and i have been on board with all of their decisions to try to curb what we don't understand right right never questioned it uh, but when they started reopening processes and when they started making different rules for different people and I don't care what they say they are you can go to any part of the city and you'll see all kinds of crazy stuff going on yes. sometimes they decide to do something about it and right. sometimes they don't right I'm trying to just show a little bit of frustration without being too complainy right. and just point out that people are being ridiculous and we all need to get on the same page yeah and so that's what those are really about and like Mike said like we, we both are and he posts uh, and his own manner to gather the community around them, right? So mm-hmm. we're not going anywhere, you know, we'll be back, and I'll keep those videos going until we all figure something out. But Do you guys have now, um, for this bar, a concrete plan, like something in motion or something that will happen shortly? Yeah, um, okay. um, come the, what, the 14th, 15th, either, whatever the closest weekend is to the 14th, very soon, Okay. Uh, we're going to start our, um, we don't have a parklet yet, but we do have a sidewalk permit. Right. So we're going to start that. We'll start our to-go business with the with the food that we are required to, to sell. Can you say what that food's going to be? Uh, or who's going to make it? Or do you know yet? I, I, I have plans and I have people, but I haven't, I haven't said anything in stone yet. Okay, we'll skip over that part. Um... <laughs> But like I well, like you, the food's a real item of contention for me. I mean, is I, it? It really is. It's I important. Mean, well, look, honestly, every bar has been open and never served any food whatsoever. Right. I have served people three drinks and they've walked themselves home. No food then. Why food now? Right. But if you trust us in our ability to do our job, then. Trust us to do our ability of the job just outside of our wall. Right. You know, it's right there. Mm-hmm. This is what we do for a living. And is this, are these the windows that you had mentioned? Yeah. That, so you're going to be serving from these windows. That's right. Um, music. Are you going to kind of like, what else besides just like bare bones tables and, and windows are you going to so be So we will be doing some acoustic music, but we have to be very careful of, you know, noise and right. and people congregating but yeah we plan on doing i've got uh between charlie and i and mike we know 
a lot of musicians all looking for work. Um, nice. And you'll see the drum kits and some of the, the stuff behind us. Mm -hmm. uh, we see music here at Pops, and I think over at Madrone too, as the vehicle to get ourselves out of this and, okay. and help people along the way. Musicians like Charlie, like, like me, mm -hmm. artists like Mike, like we could all, we're going to be using art as our vehicle to propel these bars forward. Do you have a date yet? You, or is it specific or is it for the for all that uh, yeah so september i would say september 17th right okay that's all kind of i can i can think of uh if you guys want to throw anything else in thoughts of hopes dreams you know i think uh i got a few things i'd like to throw in let's throw it uh one the food thing <laughs> is I'm going to just jump on that a little bit because I think it's also, as I've been doing it, you know, at my other place, I feel it's, uh, in a sense, I'm looking with some other, you know, bar owners about even suing the ABC. Okay. Um, we wrote a nice, big, long, lengthy letter to the director of the ABC, or to the state of California, actually, because um, talking about the food requirements and why we felt it was unjust um, and things we could do to do that mm -hmm. you know properly and with response and that's the thing is we've always been responsible and even from the day one we thought this was the right thing to do and we think that responsibility can happen but we have to be given the opportunity um so i also feel that the food thing is in a sense somewhat discriminatory mm. um because there's you know a guy wants to come up and just have a beer you know and maybe he can't afford the you know the $12 burger or whatever and he shouldn't have to right you know so there's a lot of issues socioeconomically about that and okay. in a neighborhood that's more working class like this right. I think that should be considered when it's not right um, other things that are driving me batshit crazy are that you know there's the CARES Act money that's going from the federal government to the state, mm -hmm. and then the state is giving it to each city. Okay. Now you can go into, and I have them all listed on my computer at home, there's I think 18 cities that have already allocated CARES Act money to small business in different capacities. Let's just take Sacramento, a California state. They were just given $7 million on their first batch and another $7 million on their se second batch okay. to live music venues. Oh, wow. Okay. That's directly for them mm -hmm. through the arts grant funding. Mm -hmm. Now, the city can do whatever they want with that money. Mm -hmm. And the city of San Francisco has done zero thus far to mm -hmm. assist small businesses. A lot of things they're doing are minuscule. They're, you know, we're going to waive or defer. We're not going to waive. We're going to defer your unsecured property tax. We don't want deferrals. Mm -hmm. We want abatements. We right. don't want more debt. Right. You know, and they can do it, but I don't think bars we've never been organized as a group because we've ne we've always like stay out of the limelight but what mm -hmm. I've realized in this when I've been dealing is that there's groups like alcohol justice that are powerful you know and is that local that's na or? statewide or statewide it might okay. be nationwide but they're powerful okay. and they are um, they have their groups together and they have their their voice and we have to as bars especially as 48 bars who don't serve food we have to have a voice in this you know live music venues are particularly the ones who are going to be hurt you know a bar like this we're going to be able to open in some capacity but music venues they're shit out of luck right. you know because you got to book bands you got to book it takes time to book tours it's not like you just open your doors and you throw a band on the stage and you sell tickets right, right. 
you know so there has to be city state or federal help in some capacity and without that once people dry up on this ppp funding you're going to see them just start shutting down one after the other and that's not right because it was already hard enough for musicians to make a living in san francisco and it's going to be way harder now Mm -hmm. and uh and that's frightening they've just been putting band-aids on bullet holes without actually like looking at the real issues you know the real i mean every business has been affected you know but if you're just going to hand out money to business it's look at you have our tax records you know Mm -hmm. you can look exactly at full loss i mean you know it doesn't have to be this rampant fraud that's going on it's like okay like hair salons you know gyms bars for instance you know those are 100 percent closures Um, then you can look at businesses that are 50% or, you know, some restaurants have actually, you know, changed their, you know, mode to, to go and like pizza places that are actually doing better. I've so heard of it, wine shops that are doing better. Yeah, some yeah. are, yeah. you know, and that's great yeah. for those who have been able to pivot or places who are lucky enough to have outside spaces mm-hmm. that work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it should be based on loss. It shouldn't be just half-heartedly put out there, right? you know. When I read the other day that London Bream makes $450,000 a year, I, I, I nearly puked. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought to myself, if you're a good leader, you make some sacrifices, mm-hmm. even if it's just for show. Mm-hmm. She makes $450,000 a year. She, amongst other government officials, has said to employers and employees, you know what? Don't make any money. It's for the greater good. Right. I buy it. But you're making $450,000 a year. What do you need to survive on, Breed? Any supervisors? What do you really need to survive on? Put that back in the pot. Mm -hmm. Show your leadership. If Mike and I have had multiple times when money has had to come out of our pockets Mm -hmm. to help the people around us. Right. That's what you do as a leader. Yeah. They ain't doing it. And that's what's so disappointing to me. But I do want to end on a note of me being grateful because this has been having this bar and the the best staff in in the world and the best neighborhood in the city has been nothing but inspiring for me. I, I have really felt like I've become part of the neighborhood. You know, people come in this bar all the time and they say, my grandmother was married here. Uh, you know, I met my wife here, and we made out in that nasty photo booth for an hour and a half. Um, we have gone to funerals for people in the neighborhood, for staff members. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just want to make sure that, I, that, that we don't come across as we're complaining because we're not. No. We, are, we are grateful. I am grateful. And nobody wants places like this, whether it's Pops or Madrone or Juniors or the Blind Cat. Nobody wants these places to go any place. And so just want to make sure that everyone knows we're all very grateful and we don't want to go anywhere and we're doing all we can to stay here and be part of the bigger picture. That was Spike, Tom, and Charlie of Pops Bar. In our next special episode, we'll hear from Mark Bishke of The Stud and 48 Hills. Look for that podcast on Monday. And on the next regular episode of Storied San Francisco, 
we'll get to know 111 MENA owners Michelle Delaney and Alex Kivelstedt. Please join us for episode 35 next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.